2021-2022 NFL season. Week one, Justin's NFL Football Pick Show Season 10. Life comes at you fast. Guys, I got to tell you, every time I hear that music play, it just touches some visceral part of my soul. What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tease, and welcome to week one of my 2021-2022 NFL football pick show, season 10 I can't believe I've been doing this. I've been doing this job longer than I have ever held down an actual job working for somebody else. Obviously, I cannot adequately describe just exactly how excited I am to be back doing this for yet another year. Again, this is obviously the highlight of this YouTube channel and of any of the content that I create throughout the year. Like this is this is the WrestleMania. This is the singular event. This is my World Series. This is my Super Bowl. This is why I do what I do. I absolutely love doing it. And there's no better way to say, hey, Thank you, thank you, thank you, then A, giving you a good product, but B, I do have to take the time. There's no comeback without the folks who are listening. So for everybody that has paid any attention to this show over the last 10 years, and that includes brands, sponsorships, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people, the thousands of hours that have been listened to of me talk about NFL football games. It is something that I do not and never have taken lightly. It means the world to me. It really genuinely does. So thank you. Thank you if you've been a longtime listener and viewer. Thank you if you've never listened to anything of mine or watched anything of mine before this. So if you have been a longtime listener and viewer of mine, you're going to notice that this year's NFL Pick Show is going to be slightly different. A lot of the methodology, a lot of the stuff behind it, that's basically staying the same. So if you're familiar with that, you kind of understand, for the most part, where I'm coming from. However, there is going to be one significant difference this year, and that is the episodes are going to be shorter. And I know, I understand, that's a meme almost at this point. Like, oh, you're going to do shorter episodes. But no, I'm actually building it in this year. And there's a reason behind that. In order for me to keep doing this and in order for me to keep putting out a product that I'm happy with and you're happy with and that I can keep doing this behind the scenes, the episodes need to be shorter. Like just logistically, they just need to be shorter episodes. I know there's a lot of people that really enjoy the hour long format. There's going to be a lot of people that are happy to hear that the episodes are going to be shorter by design. To record it, to edit it, to process it, to get it upload, make it available. It's like an eight-hour process and I simply don't have the availability when I record these episodes to do that anymore. So by necessity, the episodes need to be shorter and they're going to be. Now I'm going to do that in a variety of ways and you're looking at them right now. So what you're looking at here is what you're going to see every week in terms of like I card for my results from the previous week, which I mean, I'm still going to talk about them, but I'm not going to spend two to three minutes on them like I normally would. And for the Pick'em Leagues, now you're taking a look at like a, a sample card for the Pick'em Leagues. Now don't worry, you're still going to get shouted out on this show if you win a week or if you're the overall leader. I'm still keeping that amount of time, but this is just ways to grab two minutes here, three minutes here, four minutes here, just to cut down on the length of the episodes, again, by necessity, by design. Plus, for anybody watching on YouTube, it just kind of cuts a little bit of the mundanity out of everything. You're just not necessarily looking at the same image constantly straight time for 45 minutes to an hour. 
But you're going to notice here I'm in three different Pick'em Leagues this year. Of course, my own Pick'em League for Season 10. That is happening once again this year. All the information on these Pick'ems is in the description to the YouTube video. So make 100% sure that you pop on there and join these Pick'em Leagues. Obviously, my own straight-up Pick'em League with confidence points. The Anti and Co. Pick'em League, that is just a straight-up pick the games correctly, no confidence point situation there at all. But there's also the Half Moons Picks Against the Spread Pick'em League. Now that is a Pick'em League with confidence points and also a twist. Half Moon is putting up literally thousands of dollars of his own money in this pool. So you're going to want to get in on that pool if you A, like the NFL, B, are good at picking against the spread, and C, enjoy the idea of free money. Of course, I'm also in a survival pool here, the Anti and Co survival pool. So all of that information is gonna be available to you visually on the YouTube episode. Fantasy Corner is of course back for the 2021 season and my fantasy output this year is going to be eight different teams. So once again, I'll give you my record for that week, whether it's four and four, whether it's 0 and eight or whether it's eight and 0, but I've really divvied up the way I'm doing fantasy this year. Obviously, we're going to be taking the time, as we have in years past, to look specifically at not only the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League, but the official NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League as well, those being what I would consider my two most important leagues. But among these eight teams, I've diversified into best ball. I have two best ball teams. Uh, three of my leagues this year are redraft leagues, so leagues that would redraft uh, brand new teams every single year. The NFL YouTube Prognosticators League I consider a keeper league because you keep a couple of players year after year. And now two dynasty leagues, and in one of those dynasty leagues, which launched on Sleeper just a few short weeks ago, that's a Superflex league. I have absolutely no experience playing Superflex football. I figured, why not? Let's give it a shot. Let's diversify the fantasy football portfolio. So again, we're going best ball. We're going redraft. We're going keeper. We're going dynasty. We're going super flex dynasty. And we'll be talking about those leagues all season long with, again, particular emphasis on the professionals dynasty and the NFL YouTube prognosticators league. So in week one in the Professionals Dynasty, I am playing Anthony Cormier, longtime friend of mine. Obviously, I mean, look, we went to high school together. We've known each other for years and years and years and years. And in the uh, NFL YouTube Prognosticators League, I'm playing Bone Crushers in the first round. Both of those are projected too close to call, really. Me and Tony are separated by a couple of points in the professionals. And in the Progs League, we don't draft until tomorrow. So God knows who's going to win that. But those are my matchups in week one. Fantasy football's back too. It's just the best time of year for being a football fan. And of course, folks, where would Fantasy Corner be without the Dynasty Trade Calculator? Ladies and gentlemen, the Dynasty Trade Calculator, I am affiliated with them. And for my money, the Dynasty Trade Calculator is one of the absolute best resources available for Dynasty rankings, trade evaluations, podcasts, whatever you need, whatever your format, whatever weird scoring settings you might have. Look, I'm a boy that has never done Superflex before. The Dynasty Trade Calculator is helping me out big time with Superflex trade evaluations as well as rankings. Whatever you need, the Dynasty Trade Calculator has you covered. Check the description of the video on YouTube. That is my affiliate link. For as little as $3, you can get access to the absolute best Dynasty assets and evaluations that you can possibly find. Those are on the Dynasty Trade Calculator. Come join me because my championships don't lie. And I'll take this opportunity, as I always do, to let you know that if you go to the description of the video on YouTube or the audio file on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts of choice, you can find all of my results for every single week of NFL action, all of my straight up against the spread and over under picks for the current week. 
all of the information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest Pick'em Pool, the Auntie & Co. Pick'em Pool, the Auntie & Co. Survival Pool, and Half Moon's Picks ATS Pool, where again, he's giving away a ton of his own money. You can find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page, where we talk football all season. You can also find information on my great friends and sponsors at Nerd Tees. Folks, nerdtees.ca is where you're going to want to go to find dozens and dozens of incredible loose leaf tea blends. You've got matcha teas, you've got green teas, you've got black teas. They've been a longtime sponsor of mine, an incredible, incredible company with tremendous product. You're going to want to use my promo code, which is BWFINEST. That is going to save you 15% at checkout. You're also going to get free shipping in Canada on any order over 100 bucks. And there's no reason not to want to spend that much money on incredible products like what I'm currently drinking right now. Today's blend is blueberry. And it is, it's a celebration of Nova Scotia. Because Nova Scotia, known, it's where I'm from. And it's known for its blueberries. So I thought it was rather fitting that for week one, I douse myself with some blueberry tea. That is what I am doing. That is what you can do as well. If you go to nerdtees.ca, use the promo code BWFINEST, save your 15%, get your free shipping, get a great conversion rate, by the way, as well on the US dollar. Find yourself something to love or find someone you love something to love. Folks, Christmas is going to be here before you know it. You can do it at nerdtees.ca. With that, we take a deep breath and we start the week one picks. Kicking things off, we're going to start in Houston where the Texans are going to play host to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this to me is a, an absolute poster child for two teams going in exactly the opposite direction. I would consider the Jacksonville Jaguars one of, if not the most improved teams in the NFL. And I know the joke will be easy. Well, it's hard not to be improved from where they were before. And look, I will totally give you that, but this Jags team on paper, significantly better than they were last year. DJ Hayden's not there anymore. Tyler Eifert is an offensive weapon, but you look at who they brought in. Trevor Lawrence, obviously the first overall pick. Tyson Campbell was another high draft pick of theirs. Brought in a Shaq Griffin in the secondary. Marvin Jones as a nice compliment in the wide receiver core. This is a better team offensively and a better team defensively. The Urban Meyer era is starting very, very strong for this Jags team. Now look, they did draft Travis Etienne and of course he's going to be out for the season and I just, I'm gutted for a player like that because he doesn't even get to play a snap in his what would be his rookie season in the NFL boom he goes down he's done for the year but with what James Robinson did last year I don't think that's going to cripple the Jags where it could certainly cripple other teams on the other side of that you look at the Houston Texans and look they did definitely bring some players in like look they brought Shaq Lawson in on the defensive line they brought in Philip Lindsay I think he's going to have a good season but look, you had J.J. Watt leave, you had Will Fuller leave, Bernardrick McKinney. I don't think uh, that a guy like Kirksey is an improvement over him. You lost your starting center, Nick Martin. So much that went out the door for Houston before you even look at the Deshaun Watson situation. But the roster turnover in Houston was massive. I like Jacksonville in this game. I really do. I understand the game is in Houston and betting on Jacksonville has not made people a ton of money most recently, but I really like them here in week one to start the season off on a good foot. I think Trevor Lawrence has himself an excellent opening game. Let's take the Jags. Now we get into our betting picks against the spread and over under. Look, you've, if you've been following my show, you know that I've struggled in this area over the last couple of years. Week one is really an interesting beast. And I've gone through the last six years of week one games looking for trends. And I think I've certainly found some. And a lot of these trends are what I'm going to be basing a lot of my picks on here. Certainly in week one because... Yeah, we've got some data, we've got general information, but we don't have it in the context of the 2021 season. So really, when I put a lot of these on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, but what we're looking at here is like, you know, home teams. How often do they win outright? It's kind of 50-50 in week one. 
The betting favorite only wins about 62% of the time outright in week one. Betting favorites cover less than 50%, except in very specific areas, which we will talk about. If somebody is favored by more than nine points, it's almost a death sentence. Numbers on the totals, if it's a 50 or above, it's more likely to be under than it is over, even though if you give two teams a 50, you assume they're two really good offensive teams. But that's what we're kind of using as the rubric for week one. And we'll talk about it more specifically as we get into the picks. Jacksonville and Houston, the Jags are three point favorites on the road in Houston. And normally I would never lay points on Jacksonville on the road against basically anybody. I am going to lay the points in this situation, though. The Jags, I like them to win. It's a relatively small price to pay. This is a range of spread that hits about 55.6% of the time, which is making money in betting terms. I'm going to lay the three points on the Jags. Total in the game set at 45 points, and even though about 65% of the public is on the under in this game, I expect us to see points. I think we're going to see a lot of points in this game. And this is a total range that is also hitting the over about 55.6% of the time. We are going to grab over 45 points in Jacksonville, Houston. Let's go Jags 30, Texans 24. Let's see some fireworks in the Trevor Lawrence debut. Let's go to Buffalo now, Bills and Steelers, and this was probably the game whose spread gave me the most amount of trouble. We'll, of course, talk about that in a minute. Um, the Bills, I certainly expect to be in contention again this year for the division that might be the best team in the division, although with how much New England changed this year and this offseason, I think they may have something to say about that. The Steelers, speaking of change... Boy, um, almost their entire offensive line out the door through the offseason. They lost Bud Dupree on the defensive line. They lost other pieces on defense. They lost James Conner at running back. Of course, they replaced him with Najee Harris. They brought in Melvin Ingram on the defensive line. Pat Fryermuth, I think, is going to be a weapon that, uh, kind of an underrated weapon that people aren't really giving the credit that he will probably wind up deserving in his rookie season. It's hard not to look at the Steelers as one of the teams who have gotten the worst. DeCastro, Villanueva, Pouncey, Filer on the all on the offensive line. It's, it's so much O-line turnover. Not to mention they lost Mike Hilton as well. Boy, it's tough to look at Pittsburgh as anywhere near the same kind of team that we saw in 2020. I got to take Buffalo here. And look, this is going to be an entertaining football game. I think these two will still be competitors and will still be contenders in the AFC. Going to take Buffalo on this one. On the line, the Bills are laying six and a half points. And I had to go back and I looked at since the beginning of 2016-2017. I looked at seasons in which Ben Roethlisberger played like the vast majority of games. So like 14 games, 15 games, whatever. The Pittsburgh Steelers have only lost a game by a touchdown or more 10 times. So it's an average of about two and a half times a season. So like laying six and a half points, I understand why this line exists. If Buffalo hits this... That's only like one more time that Pittsburgh might lose that this season on average. Anyway, of course, we're talking about averages. It just feels like too many points between two teams that I think are still good football teams. I'm going to take the points with Pittsburgh here on the road in Buffalo. Pittsburgh plus six and a half. I still think that defense is pretty good. Total in the game set at 48 and a half points. This is a margin where more often than not, the over is going to hit. It's kind of in that range. But I don't think I can go over on this one because, again, I I think Buffalo's defense, given that Pittsburgh's offensive line is in shambles compared to what it was, I think the defenses probably keep this game relatively close. I'm going to go under on this. It's just too many points. Under 48.5 points in Buffalo-Pittsburgh. Let's go Bills 23, Steelers 17. Let's go to Carolina now, Panthers and Jets. I mean, Carolina, you're looking at a team that now has a brand new starting quarterback in Sam Darnold. They're going to have Christian McCaffrey back, who they barely had for any points last year. And uh, I think Carolina is in for a sneaky good offensive season. 
in the ways that Teddy Bridgewater didn't really work out for Carolina, I get the feeling Sam Darnold is going to, and he's been insulated with slightly better offensive weapons. The Jets are another team that I would look at as probably one of the most improved teams in the NFL. Obviously, that starts with bringing in a guy like Zach Wilson, and they had a tremendous draft. Zach Wilson, Elijah Vera Tucker, Elijah Moore, obviously one of the Jets' outgoing players, a guy we just talked about in Sam Darnold, so they're wasting absolutely no time pitting these two against each other. But just the players that they were able to bring in, and a guy like Carl Lawson on the defensive line, Tevin Coleman, a good depth running back to make up for the fact that they lost Frank Gore. They did lose Brashad Perriman, who can do some things. Neville Hewitt, I think, is one of the best high-tackle linebackers in the NFL. He is no longer on the Jets. So they did definitely lose, but with what they brought in, especially in the draft, but not just restricted to that, this Jets team is going to be better. And kind of like the Jags, well, look where they're coming from. I get that, but I do genuinely think the Jets are a much better team this year. I don't think it's enough to beat Carolina week one. Carolina is not the easiest building in the world to win in. Look at what they're getting back in terms of Christian McCaffrey, probably the single most game-breaking offensive player, maybe in the entire league outside of the quarterback position, I guess. I think Carolina is going to come through and win this game. We're going to take the Panthers at home to beat the Jets. On the line, Carolina's laying five points as the home favorite and probably about 63. 60 plus percent of what I've seen in the public is on Carolina to cover this number. I think I'm going to take those points. I think Carolina is a good team. I don't necessarily know that they're that team, even against the competition that they're against, who, like I said, I think is a much better team from last year. I'm going to take those points on the Jets plus five. I know that's three straight that I've gone taking the road team actually against the spread. So let's see if this comes back to bite my uh, bite my butt. But uh, I just I'm going to take those five points with the Jets. I think we're going to see really good things out of the Jets rookies right out of the gate. Keeps this game close. Total in the game set at 45, and like we talked about with Jacksonville-Houston, it's falling in that range that hits over more often than it does under. This is a middling 40, might be a backdoor over, but we're going to grab over 45 points in New York, Carolina. Let's go. Panthers 30, Jets 27. But if you want to talk about high-scoring games, look no further than the Tennessee Titans and the Arizona Cardinals. Folks, Let's. I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag right now. I'm taking the over in this game on 52 points. Even though it's a 50, even though I said earlier 50s are hitting under more so than they're hitting over in the last few years of week ones, I think this is going to be an absolute lightning in a bottle type of game. Tennessee and Arizona, two teams that I would consider kind of going in opposite directions. I don't think the Tennessee Titans are as good this year as they were last year. And maybe it's tough to say that when you're sitting there like, Justin, they got Julio Jones. They got Bud Dupree. They drafted pretty well. Caleb Farley and Dylan Radunes in the early rounds. They got Janoris Jenkins. How could this team not be as good as they were last year? You look at the players that went out the door. Adoree Jackson, a longtime really good player in the secondary for this team. Malcolm Butler out the door. Desmond King out the door. They lost Corey Davis. They lost Jonu Smith. Jadevian Clowney's not here. Kenny Vaccaro's not here. There's a lot of talent, especially on the defensive side, that went out the door. And this Titans defense wasn't good to begin things. Like, you lose all that talent from, like, starting critical defensive positions and yes you brought some back in but I don't think you made up for the fact that you lost that much talent let's put on top of that both Julio and uh, AJ Brown have dealt with injuries in training camp heading into week one I think they both play but they've both been limited and missed practice time already one of those guys goes down all of a sudden, this offense, even though you've got Derrick Henry, is not as dangerous as it should be on paper. 
And in much the same vein, I would consider Arizona one of the more improved teams from the offseason. Bringing in J.J. Watt. You got Malcolm Butler, who we just mentioned. A.J. Green is now on the Arizona Cardinals, probably playing that kind of Larry Fitzgerald-type role. Hopefully that works out for him. They drafted fairly well with guys like Zayvon Collins and Rondell Moore. James Conner is in now at running back. I don't feel like they lost as much as some other people do on paper. Patrick Peterson is a loss in name. Hassan Reddick is a loss in talent for sure, but I just don't feel like those losses are worse than the amount of talent that they were able to bring in. It's marginal, but I mean, you got a guy like Kyler Murray, who's uh, Kyler Murray and AJ Green. That's going to be a combination to watch so again, I'm looking at two teams that I think are going in the opposite directions here. Most people are on the Tennessee Titans. I am not. I like the Arizona Cardinals to come out and win this game outright in Tennessee. The rule of four always applies. And what is the rule of four? At least four betting underdogs are going to win their game straight up. And this is one of the ones that I've targeted early on. I really like the cards who are the underdogs here in Tennessee. I like Arizona to come in and get this win. Most people do not. In fact, 72% of the public, right around 70, 71, 72, are not only on Tennessee to win, but they're on Tennessee to cover the number. I don't think either of those things is going to happen. On the line, Tennessee's laying three points as a home favorite. It's not an unrealistic line, and this line does cover more often than not, but given that I'm taking Arizona to win the game outright, I will be more than happy to take the three points. And of course, as I already mentioned, we're definitely going over on that 52, even if it happens to be going against the overall trend. Let's take Arizona 37, Tennessee 27. Let's go to Washington now where the football team is going to play host to the LA Chargers. And if you're looking for a sleeper team to make a run to the Super Bowl, let, I'm just look, I'm, let's put all the cards on the table. I think Washington could be that team. Washington 100% had the best offseason of any team in that division. And it's well known, no team has repeated as NFC East champion since like, the early to mid 2000s. It's been a long time. Washington should be able to moonwalk into repeating as NFC East champion. And I say that in all due deference to a Dallas team that's getting their starting quarterback back. This Washington team, who was a good team last year that suffered from offensive instability and just, you know, they weren't consistent. They added pieces this year that make that offense significantly better. And I think they even got better on the defensive side of the ball as well, despite losing Ryan Kerrigan, who is obviously a franchise legend. But look, Curtis Samuel is in. Ryan Fitzpatrick is in to lead the offense, at least for now. Sam Cosme, a guy that they drafted. They brought in Eric Flowers on the offensive line. This team is going to get better. They already have some nuclear weapons in Antonio Gibson as well as Terry McLaurin. I think those weapons only take steps forward. This Washington team is dangerous this year. I really like the Chargers. I really like Justin Herbert. I do expect him to take a second year step forward. And again, I do certainly understand that Washington is kind of dealing with a bit of an injury situation. Curtis Samuel has been dealing with a groin injury leading into it. He should play this week. I think Washington starts the season off on the right foot in what will be one of the more entertaining games, I think, of this first week. I'm going to take Washington at home to get a big week one win, start the season off on the right foot towards defending their NFC East championship. On the line, Washington's actually a point dog in this game. Kind of a surprise. I figured Washington would be a small favorite in this, but they are actually taking a point. I will certainly take that point, as will 60% of the public, as I like Washington to win the game outright. We'll take Washington plus one. Total in the game is 44 and a half points, which I understand certainly why that number is what it is. Uh, it's not as strong an over possibility, at least historically, as like the numbers between 45 and 49 and a half, but it's pretty darn close. We're going to grab the over in this one, grab over 44 and a half points in Washington, LA. Let's take Washington 27, Chargers 21.
Let's go to Atlanta now. Falcons are going to play host to the Philadelphia Eagles in week one. It's tough not to look at the Falcons as one of those teams that has probably gotten the worst since last season and it's not for lack of trying I mean they brought in a Kyle Pitts through the draft who again the unicorn of the 2021 NFL draft also brought in Mike Davis who I think is an underrated starting running back in this league he's going to be an RB2 a sleeper RB2 in fantasy remember who told you that first those are two really good weapons, but when you lose Julio Jones, it is really tough to look at it like you had a good offseason. But it wasn't just Julio Jones. They lost Alex Mack. They lost basically both of their starting safeties and some additional safety depth, which they did try to make up for in some players they brought in. But I just don't think this is a better team than we saw last year. The Eagles, uh, again, we kind of talked about the NFC East a little bit. I think the Eagles are maybe a sleeper team to keep that streak going of no team uh, winning that division in back-to-back -back years since I, I looked it up. It was 2004. So maybe they're a sleeper to be able to do that. I do think Philadelphia is like about as good as they were last year, if not you know marginally one way or the other. I am going to take Atlanta here, though. I... I this is a tough one for me. I'm going to be perfectly honest. This was almost a coin flip for me that started one way and then I kind of leaned the other. I don't know what it is about the Eagles. I think I got to see them play. Like, I, I don't know. I, just, I guess I just kind of got to look at it that way. I'm going to take Atlanta because the game's in Atlanta. I guess if you're looking for a determining factor, it's probably that. Let's go with the Falcons. The spread might be in, uh, influencing me here a little bit as well. Falcons only laying three and a half points at home. Falls within that margin that's hitting about 55.6% of the time for the favorites to cover. So we're going to grab Atlanta laying the three and a half. Total in the game set at 48. I think this is one of the closer totals of the week. I'm going to lean over on it because I don't think either one of these defenses are crazy, crazy impressive, but both teams have offensive weapons to put up points in bunches. So let's go over 48 points in Philadelphia, Atlanta. Let's go Falcons 27, Eagles 23. Let's go to Indianapolis now. Colts and Seahawks, two teams going in the wrong direction as far as I'm concerned compared to last season. Seattle, probably a little bit more so than Indianapolis. Both teams have certainly lost. I mean, if you're looking at the Eagles, KJ Wright, Shaq Griffin, but like those two big losses on the defensive side, they have tried to bring some players in that might kind of make that up. Like a Kilo Witherspoon will make up some of the difference from losing Shaq Griffin. I just, I have a hard time looking at this Seahawks team like it's any better than they were last year. And then, you know, Quentin Dunbar out the door as well. Now the Colts, there's a lot going against the Colts in this game, be perfectly honest. Of course, Carson Wentz, who had foot surgery like six weeks ago, something like that, six and a half weeks ago. So we don't know if he's going to be 100% in this game. You know, T.Y. Hilton, who's going to be missing the first three weeks after suffering a neck injury. There's a lot of reasons to look at the Colts also, like they're not as good as they were last year. You know, you lose Anthony Costanzo, you lose Malik Hooker, you lose Denico Autry even. I don't think this defense is as good as it was last year, but I still think this defense is capable. The ability of Carson Wentz to make plays against this Seahawks defense, which is not very good and arguably got worse... I think will go a long way to determining, well, Indianapolis's season as a whole, but how they get started this season. And I, I'm going to take the Colts here. This is, again, one of those upset picks. You might as well sprinkle them in because you know at least four of them are going to hit. It's a rule. It's how it works. I'm going to take the Colts here. There is talented wide receivers behind T.Y. Hilton, and I think Wentz's ability to get them the ball I think they're going to be able to get it done this week. Let's take Indy to beat Seattle. On the line, Seattle, a two and a half point favorite on the road in Indianapolis. I like Indy to win outright, so I will take those two and a half points. Total in the game set at 48 and a half, and I just don't think either one of these offenses explode to that degree, even though, again, Seattle's defense is bad and got worse. 
I still don't think this game goes over. We're going to stick under the 48.5 point total. I think that's a little bloated in Seattle, Indianapolis. Let's go Colts 21, Seahawks 16. Let's go to New England now for a division matchup between the Patriots and the Dolphins, two teams who unquestionably are better than they were last year. And even though New England does not have the same starting quarterback, they got rid of Cam Newton. It's Mac Jones time in New England. You look at all the mass additions that they were able to not only bring back in, but we're talking about like COVID opt-outs because they had a lot of COVID opt-outs in 2020. They're getting some of those back, most notably Donta Hightower, Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, that two-headed monster at tight end defensively they're better they got Trent Brown now on the offensive line Nelson Aguilar I think is going to have a big season in New England I think his prospects got a little bit better with Mac Jones than they would have been unquestionably New England is a significantly better football team they're certainly a more expensive football team but unquestionably a better team than they were in 2020 they did lose like Joe Tunney is not there anymore Julian Edelman is not there anymore Jason McCourty is a big loss Patrick Chung is not there and the Dolphins you got to look at them as a team that's better as well their additions headlined of course by Will Fuller who will not be playing in this game because he's suspended for a week but they drafted pretty well they brought in talented players including Jason McCourty who we just mentioned Mac Jones versus Tua Tagovailoa may be a quarterback matchup that we see for years to come. I think the first one is going to go to Mac Jones. I like the Patriots in New England to get the job done here. I think Miami's going to hurt that the fact that they do not have Will Fuller for this game. They're going to be depending on Jalen Waddell, who of course was a high draft pick of theirs. I think they took him, what, sixth overall? But I, I just feel like the Patriots are going to get the job done here in the first week. Let's take New England to beat Miami. On the line, Patriots are only laying two and a half points as a home favorite. I like them to win. It's a small price to pay. Let's take New England minus the two and a half. Total in the game set at 43 and a half. I think this thing goes over pretty comfortably. Let's take over 43 and a half points in New England, Miami. Let's go Patriots 30, Dolphins 27. Now here's a matchup I think everybody's going to be excited for. If you like offensive football, you like this football game. The Kansas City Chiefs at home taking on the Cleveland Browns. Now the Browns should be getting Odell Beckham back. Of course, he tore his ACL last season, missed the vast majority of that season. He may be a little limited, obviously, starting things off, but I think it won't take him too long to get back into the swing of things. This Cleveland offense is basically unchanged from last year. What is significantly different is the defense so basically nine of their starters from last year are basically out the door it was basically everybody except Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett so those are the two guys obviously from that defense that you keep and but look at the names they brought in John Johnson, Jadevian Clowney, Malik Jackson, Greg Newsom in the draft, Jeremiah Owuzu-Koromoa in the draft who was like one of my favorite defensive prospects in the draft uh, they also got Andrew Billings back on the defensive line who was an opt-out. This Browns defensive line, I think is going to be a monster this year. And that was the big hookup. Like that was the big problem with the Browns last year. It wasn't the offense. It was the fact that the defense was like really, really not good. <laughs> so if they can figure out the defense, I don't have any problem saying that I think the Browns are one of the best rosters on paper in the NFL. If there's a roster that's capable of going into Kansas City and competing with Kansas City, I think Cleveland's got it. Now, speaking of Kansas City, they are dealing with a potential injury situation. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, obviously their uh, talented you know, second year back. He sprained his ankle in the offseason. He's been dealing with it. I think he's going to play, but watch for him to be limited. And we certainly get a look at how this new look Browns defense is going to react taking on a guy like Patrick Mahomes. There will be very few people outside of hardcore Cleveland Browns backers who are going to agree with me here. This is the upset of the week. The Cleveland Browns go into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs. Remember where you heard it. 
On the line, the Chiefs are laying six points as home favorites. I think one way or the other, even though about 65% of the public is on the Chiefs to cover this number, I think one way or the other, you hedge here. Six points is too many when you're talking about two of the better rosters in football. I don't think the Chiefs are that significantly much better on paper anyway than the Cleveland Browns are. I think Cleveland's a deeper team. Like Kansas City may have the top end nuclear weaponry. They've certainly got the better quarterback. And maybe that's enough, but six points is just too much here. I'm taking the six points with Cleveland because I like them to win outright. Total in the game is set at uh, 53 and a half points. Even though this is a big number, I think this goes over. And so does about three quarters of the public, around 74%. We're going to go with that over 53 and a half points. If there's two offenses that's going to do it, I think it's going to be these two in Kansas City and Cleveland. Browns 31, Chiefs 30. Let's go to New York now, Giants and Broncos, two teams that I think I'd have to consider certainly better on paper than they were coming out of the 2020 season, although you wouldn't know it by looking at the Giants because their injury list reads like a Pro Bowl team. Obviously, the top of that list is Saquon Barkley. Look, he tore his ACL last year. He may be limited or he may not play at all in week one. That is certainly a situation to watch because the difference is either him or I believe Devontae Booker is their RB2. So, I mean, that's a pretty significant difference whether Saquon is playing or not. I think he does play. If I had to guess, I think he does. One who I don't think is going to be playing is Evan Engram. I think he's probably trending more so on the do not play side of things. But like across the board for the Giants wide receivers, basically there are three starting wideouts. Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, and now Kadarius Toney, who they grabbed in the draft. All three of them are potentially limited in this game. So if you're a Sterling Shepard backer, boy, week one could be very, very beneficial to you. He might see 15 targets in the pass game. But look, we kind of talked about some of the incoming players for the Giants. Kenny Galladay, obviously, on the top of that list. Adoree Jackson, who we mentioned, coming over from Tennessee. Uh, Kadarius Toney, Aziz Ojolari, who they got in the draft. Uh, Odenigbo is talented as an edge rusher. They also get Nate Solder back because he opted out of the 2020 season. They did lose a little bit on both sides of the ball, but generally, I think this team is good compared to the team that we saw on the field last year and you can say the same about the Denver Broncos bringing in guys especially in the secondary Kyle Fuller Ronald Darby drafting Pat Sertain this secondary is going to be better despite the loss of a guy like AJ Bouye who I think is very talented at cornerback Quite frankly, this is just a matchup of two still not great football teams. You can't have a quarterback matchup of Daniel Jones versus Teddy Bridgewater and get crazy, crazy excited about it. I'm going to take the Giants because they're a home, they're a home team here. And also because they're the underdog, need some of those underdog picks in there. And I figure if there's going to be a road favorite that's not going to get the job done, Denver probably fits that mold just as much as anybody else. So we're going to grab the Giants to win this game outright at home in New York against Denver. And we're going to grab the Giants plus the two and a half points against the spread. I like them to win outright. It's kind of a coin flip in terms of public perception. It's not a lot of points if you want to lay it on the Broncos. I'm just not quite giving the Broncos that much credit at this point. Totaling the game set at 42 points, and I'm still going to take the under on it. It is the smallest number of this week at 42 points exactly. I still don't know what we're going to get offensively from either one of these teams. Noah Fant may not play for Denver. So look, there's, there's great wide receivers that could potentially be in this matchup, but who's going to be playing and what are we going to get from them? Under 42 points in Denver, New York. Let's go Giants 21, Broncos 20. Maybe a backdoor win here for the hometown Giants. Like, I wouldn't believe this stuff if it didn't happen directly to me. But as I'm recording, like not only does my refrigerator, which is about, I don't know, 15 feet away from me, maybe not even, not only did that kick in, but there's a 53 foot 18 wheeler parked directly in front of my house because of course there is because I'm trying to record audio. Uh, the, the goofiest, goofiest stuff happens when I'm trying to record this show for y'all. It is unbelievable.
Anywho, let us soldier on with what is, of course, my personal game of the week because it involves my team. The Green Bay Packers traveling to New Orleans to take on Drew, not Drew Brees anymore, Jameis Winston and the New Orleans Saints. These are two teams probably going in the wrong direction compared to last year. I don't think either one of these teams are necessarily as good as they were last year. But one team got their quarterback back and one team unfortunately did not. Of course, if you're the New Orleans Saints, you can't really make up for losing Drew Brees. That's the one player on that team aside from, I guess, Kamara and Michael Thomas that like, God, we had to lose him. I mean, you know, everybody's got to retire eventually. So unquestionable downgrade at quarterback. Maybe Jameis Winston proves me wrong in saying that. They did bring in, you know, a couple of pieces on the defensive side that I think might make that defense a little better. But they also lost Janoris Jenkins. They lost Sheldon Rankins. Uh, they lost Quan Alexander. They lost Malcolm Brown. So they lost pieces on all levels of the defense. And put on top of that, Michael Thomas is on the pup list. He's not playing for six weeks. Speaking of the pup list, for Green Bay, David Bakhtiari is on the pup list. He is out for six weeks. The protector of Aaron Rodgers' blind side. Usually the offensive line is a point of strength for this team. It's going to be tough to look at that offensive line, at least for the first six weeks, as anywhere as good as it normally is. But speaking of the offensive line, it doesn't just stop there for Green Bay. Look, when you lose Corey Lindsley, who is one of the best centers in the NFL, you lose Rick Wagner, who is a diverse offensive lineman as well. You also don't have Jamal Williams, who can be certainly a weapon at the running back position. I think you more easily make up for losing him. But this Packers team as a whole, I don't think is as good as the team we saw last year. Now, which one of these two teams is better I believe it's the Green Bay Packers until I see what the New Orleans Saints are going to look like with Jameis Winston and without Michael Thomas for six weeks. I'm going to stick with the Packers here because I genuinely think they're the better football team between the two. Let's take Green Bay on the road in New Orleans to beat the Saints. On the line, the Packers are laying four and a half points on the road, 73%-ish of the public on the favorites here to cover this line. I think I'm going to lay those points with Green Bay. I don't feel concerned about Green Bay covering that number with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams healthy. Are they healthy? Yes. Great. I think they're going to cover that number. Total in the game set at 50 points, and even though 62% of the public is on the over in this one, I just don't see it. You have, again, one of the biggest weapons in football in Michael Thomas not playing. You have an offensive line in Green Bay that's not as good as it was in years past and has lost significant pieces, whether to injuries or free agency. So 50 points, I think this is going to be more of a defensive battle than that. We're going to go under 50 points in Green Bay, New Orleans. Let's go Green Bay 21, New Orleans 16. And the last game we're going to look at before we get to the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week one is the Las Vegas Raiders playing host to a Baltimore Ravens team that is suddenly without its bell cow. What was that I was saying about these episodes being shorter? Anyway, it's week one. I had a bunch of Lucy-like explaining to do. So, you know, week one, it's going to get faster. Don't worry about it. So the Raiders... Another team I would classify as a team that's not as good as the team that we saw last year. And when you weren't a great team last year to begin with, that's troublesome. You look at, they did bring in some pieces on both sides of the football. Defensively, Yannick Ngakwe is in Las Vegas now. Uh, Casey Hayward in the secondary. They brought in Quentin Jefferson, who I think can make a difference. They drafted really well. Trayvon Morig and Alex Leatherwood in the draft and Kenyon Drake. It'll be interesting to see what he can be as like a 1B complement to Josh Jacobs's 1A. Kind of like Green Bay, you look at the offensive line for the Raiders and it's not as good as it was last year. Rodney Hudson, gone. Trent Brown, gone. Gabe Jackson, gone. They don't have Nelson Aguilar anymore at wide receiver, although Nelson Aguilar I don't think was ever going to be as good as I think he's going to be in New England. 
in Vegas. It just wasn't going to be that player. LaMarcus Joyner in the secondary is no longer there. Eric Harris in the secondary is no longer there. They basically cleaned out their entire offensive line, which I think wasn't overly expected. And I'm going to have to see how that offensive line plays. Now in Baltimore, like I said, they don't have J.K. Dobbins. He tore his ACL. He's done for the year. Gus Edwards is the next man up, which by the way, if you've got two thumbs and made sure that you handcuffed J.K. Dobbins in every redraft league you drafted him in, you would be like me currently pointing two thumbs at myself. So pat on the back for that one. I've got Gus Edwards and I've got managers hammering down my door to try to trade for him. I think I'm going to let him dominate the Raiders in week one and then see where we go from there. I like Baltimore to win this game. I don't think the Raiders, like I said, I think they're a worse team than they were last year. I got to see how that offensive line is going to gel with so much change. Let's take Baltimore in Vegas to beat the Raiders. Now, the same as Green Bay in New Orleans, Baltimore is laying four and a half points as a road favorite here. Kind of falls in the same range as Green Bay. I'm going to lay the points here once again. I'm going to take Baltimore. I think they got a better defense. I think they have the prospects for a better offense. Let's lay the four and a half points on the Ravens. Total in the game set at 51 and exactly the same, although I think it comes closer to the number. It's a 50. They hit unders more often than overs historically in week one. Let's go under 51 points in Baltimore, Vegas. Let's go Ravens 27, Raiders 21. All right, let's get to the tail end of this dog with the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week one of the 2021 NFL season. We will start in Tampa Bay as the Buccaneers begin defense of the Super Bowl at home against the Dallas Cowboys. About the same for both of these teams in terms of how good or how not as good as they might be from last year coming into this, to this season. With one, of course, notable difference, that being Dak Prescott. The fact that Dak Prescott is back for the Dallas Cowboys, I think that makes obviously a significant difference as long as he's playing and healthy. We are a little concerned. We're keeping an eye on Dak Prescott's shoulder. He had issues with shoulder in the preseason. I assume he plays. He could be somewhat limited. Again, you're running back this basically the same Tampa Bay Bucks team with a few exceptions, but for the most part, I think this is about as good a team as we had last year. They won the Super Bowl last year. I just don't see them losing their home opener. We're going to go with the Tampa Bay Bucks here as the bronze pick straight up. On the line, Tampa's laying seven and a half at home. I, that just feels like too many. Dak Prescott could come out and have himself a monster, monster, monster comeback game. The possibility of Dallas winning this game is certainly on the table. I think we've got to take those points. It's just a few too many for me. Let's go Dallas plus the seven and a half. Total in the game set at 51 and a half points. I think this is going to be razor thin, razor close, but it's a 50. I'm going to lean under on it because it's week one and the trends are what they are hitting less than 50%. So we're going to go under 51 and a half points in Tampa Bay, Dallas. Bucks straight up, but we're going to take the Cowboys with the points plus seven and a half in a game that stays under 51 and a half points. That is the bronze pick. Let's go Bucks 28, Cowboys 23. Let's go to Los Angeles now for the silver pick. The Rams at home taking on the Chicago Bears. A lot of differences between these two teams compared to what they did last year and what they were last year. Obviously, Chicago with the quarterback situation. Everybody says it's going to be Dalton. Justin Fields was there and had himself a pretty good looking preseason. So that's going to be an interesting debate moving forward. The Rams bringing in Matt Stafford. They got all those weapons on offense. They did lose, of course, Cam Akers for the season. Tore his ACL. He's done as a dynasty manager who has Cam Akers as an asset on his team. That sucks, but... You know, such is life in dynasty football and in real life football. Look, the Rams are unquestionably better at quarterback because of Matt Stafford, but I don't know that the defense is necessarily as good. They lost a couple of pieces there that may offset the difference of how much better they are with Matt Stafford over Jared Goff. I still think all things considered, the Rams are more than good enough to win this home opener. I'm actually pretty heavy on them. They might even be my survival pick. Let's take the Rams at home 
to beat the Bears. On the line, Rams are also laying seven and a half points, just like the Bucks. but I'm actually going to take them to cover this number. 65% of the public is on this number. I'm going to lay the points with the Rams. Let's take Los Angeles minus the seven and a half at home against Chicago. Total in the game set at 44 and a half points. I just, boy... Chicago's offense, again, I got to see it. They've got good pieces, don't get me wrong. Allen Robinson, I've underrated him. David Montgomery, I've underrated him. I don't know who the quarterback is going to be. So I got to go under on it because I don't know specifically what the offensive output's going to look like really for either one of these teams. So even though that's a middling number, I'm going to stay under the 44 and a half. Rams straight up and I'm laying the points with the Rams minus seven and a half in a game that stays under 44 and a half points. That is the silver pick. Let's go Rams 24, Bears 16. My gold pick sees the Detroit Lions at home taking on the San Francisco 49ers. And the Niners are going to get better just given the fact that their whole team's not injured like it was for the vast majority of last season. They had offensive injuries. They had defensive injuries. The team was just crippled. And, you know, other teams certainly took advantage of that fact. If you're the Detroit Lions, this is a different team because they're full-blown in rebuild mode. Matt Stafford, gone. Kenny Galladay, gone. Marvin Jones, gone. Desmond Trufant, gone. Reggie Ragland, gone. Deron Harmon, gone. Matt Prater, the kicker, is gone. This is a full-blown rebuild for the Detroit Lions. Now, they did bring in Jared Goff. They did get Penny Sewell in the draft. They got Michael Brockers. They've got Jamal Williams, who is a nice complement to DeAndre Swift, who's like the one big nuclear weapon that Detroit still has offensively. Oh, by the way, DeAndre Swift is dealing with a groin injury and may not play this week. This is a layup as far as I'm concerned. The 49ers are going to go into Detroit and offensively and defensively pound the Lions. And that's what the Lions should expect, I think, for most of the season. This is a full-blown rebuild. They're shooting for the first overall pick, probably to draft the quarterback of the future because Goff is certainly not going to be that. So let's lean heavy on the Niners here to win this game in the opening week. On the line, the Niners are laying seven and a half points on the road. And like 68% of the public, I'm also going to lay seven and a half points on the Niners on the road because, oh my God, Detroit is going to be a tire fire this year. The new Jacksonville, if you will. Total in the game set at 45 and a half. I wanted to lean over on this, but I don't know that Detroit makes double digits in this game or in most games this season. So we're going to stay under the 45 and a half points in San Francisco, Detroit. Niners straight up. We're hammering the Niners minus seven and a half against the spread in a game that stays under the 45 and a half point total. That is the gold pick. We're going to go Niners 34, Lions 9. And that means the platinum pick is the Cincinnati Bengals at home taking on the Minnesota Vikings. And when we talk about the Minnesota Vikings, we talk about one of the definitive most improved teams in the NFL. Mike Zimmer completely overhauled that defense in Minnesota. Big additions. Dalvin Tomlinson, Patrick Peterson, Sheldon Richardson. Certainly they want their pass rush to be better. Mackenzie Alexander, Bashad Breeland. They want the secondary to be better. They drafted Christian Darasaw, who I was really, really watching as a prospect I really liked in the draft. They're also getting Michael Pierce back on the defensive line, who was an opt-out from last year. They are losing Anthony Harris. They did lose Riley Reef. Kyle Rudolph is gone. Those are replaceable players, even though, of course, now also Irv Smith, I believe, is done for the year. I think he might have torn his ACL or some injury. So that's certainly going to hurt on the offensive side. But this Vikings team, and again, you look at a guy like Justin Jefferson, nobody expected Justin Jefferson to be what he was last year, but he is. The Bengals, for their part, they're going to get Joe Burrow back. That's obviously a boon in the right direction for them. They drafted Jamar Chase, who did certainly not have a good preseason, but this offense is going to be better for Cincinnati. I still don't think their defense can stop anybody. 
In fact, it feels like anybody that the Bengals brought in to try to improve that defense was offset by somebody that then decided to turn around and walk out the door. The one thing I will say about the Bengals is I think their offensive line is going to be better. They brought in a guy like Riley Reef that is certainly going to help that offensive line be better than it was. I think Minnesota is going to bulldoze them. So that's why they're here. I really like the Vikings here on the road in Cincinnati to beat the Bengals. And it's a gift that Minnesota is only laying minus three against the spread as the road favorite. I am more than happy to take those points as a relatively small price to pay. Total in the game is set at 48 points. And when I say Minnesota is going to bulldoze Cincinnati, I think Minnesota might get to this point number, close to this point number on their own, much less whatever Cincinnati does. Hammering over 48 points in Minnesota, Cincinnati. I love that number. It's not a 50. I absolutely love it. So Vikings straight up. We're hammering the Vikings minus three against the spread and going over 48 points in Cincinnati. Let's go Minnesota 41, Cincinnati 23. That is the platinum pick. So don't get used to an episode this long because they will not be this long for the rest of the season. But like I said, had some explaining to do about how this season is going to look at least a little bit different from how it has looked in years past. It's the 10th year. We got to do something a little bit different. That's it for me. Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and of course, Fantasy Corner brought to you by the Dynasty Trade Calculator. Check out all that information in the description below. It feels damn good to be back. It feels awesome to be back bringing you this show for the 10th straight season. Let's have some fun this year. Enjoy the games in week one. Thank you.